Hello and welcome back to another edition of A Trip Down Vicarage Road, the Watford podcast which aims to interview former players, coaches and managers about their time at the Hornets. I'm your host Bradley Hayden, a freelance sports journalist but most importantly a massive Watford fan for over the last 10 years. Thank you so much for all of those who have listened to my most recent podcast with Micah Hyde. It was great to catch up with the former Watford midfielder who's now working at QPR as part of their, their trust. Um, and, and don't forget also that we've also recorded podcasts with Lloyd Doyley, um, with Tommy Smith, with Richard Lee and Kevin Phillips, among others recently. Um, so please feel free to check those out as well. This week, though, I'm back with another podcast and this week I'm pleased to say that I went to see uh, a Watford legend who came through the club's academy, went on to make over 400 appearances for the club under the likes of Graham Taylor Um, and once he finished his career he went on to coach the Hornets uh, and he was Ray Lewington's assistant um, uh, during his time at Watford uh, before then going on to have a successful coaching career with the likes of Reading, with Leeds, most recently with Millwall and Swansea as well. I am of course talking about the legend that is Nigel Gibbs. Uh, It was great to go and see Nigel at his home in Watford. It was great to meet uh, Nigel and his lovely wife as well. During my chat with Nigel, we spoke about his time at Watford, coming through the club's academy, what it was like to play under Graham Taylor, the legend that is Graham Taylor, of course, uh, before we then moved on to talking about that that plough final win over Bolton. uh, And then... We went on to speak about, obviously there was rumours about him returning to Watford as assistant to Savisha Djukanovic back in 2014, whether there was any substance in those rumours before then going on to talk about the current Watford side. So sit back, I hope you enjoyed this latest podcast with Nigel Gibbs. So I'm joined by the legend that is uh, Nigel Gibbs, who obviously came through Watford's academy a rarity being that he was a one-club man during his time at Watford. Um, Nigel, thanks so much for joining me. Um, but first of all, I want to touch on your, your coaching career because um out of work at the moment after spells at Reading and, and Swansea over the last couple of years. And um, I presume that you, you're still wanting to get back into that side of things as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I love coaching. Um, I've had opportunities to be... A number one but it's not really for me so I really enjoy being an assistant and that's what I want to do uh, moving forward I've had a couple of possibilities but uh, um, looking forward to getting back into to coaching as soon as possible mm. and um, you've worked with the likes of Paul Clement and Brian McDermott as well you've served as assistants at Swansea and, and Reading you still in touch with them is there a possibility that you might get involved with the, with their coaching setups if they decide to go back into things yeah that's always a possibility but it's, it's time and an opportunity mm. um, but I had great uh, spell with, with Paul and and um, with Brian. Obviously, you know, the last spell at Reading wasn't you know a great time on the pitch, but we were building something, mm. and obviously that you know we left very very quickly. But uh, uh, hopefully, we'll get another opportunity together. And, and the same with Brian. I mean, Brian himself, were, you know, at Reading and managed to. Uh, get the team into the, in the Premier League um, it was a fantastic time there and also I had spells at, uh, um, at Millwall for a short period but also the start of my coaching career uh, on, the, on the pro side was with Ray Lewington which yeah. was a fantastic experience at Watford I've mm. just finished playing um, winning and uh, 
did the reserves and we managed to win the Premier Reserve League, the only the first team outside the Premier League yeah. to do that. But I had great mentor in, in Ray and, and Terry Burton who were at the club at the time and uh, you know, I really enjoyed my spell with them. Yeah, and you touched on Watford there and um you're a Watford fan obviously, you grew up close to the club as well. How much does how much does that club mean to you if you can possibly sum that up? Yeah, I mean, if you'd have given me one game, I'd have taken it to play for Watford, you know. But, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to play, you know, for 20 years at the club. Um, but starting out, you know, it's everyone's dream to, to, to play professionally and to, to play for a team you supported as well. There's obviously the icing on the cake and having been at the club since the age of 12 and then to be able to become an apprentice and then obviously make your debut and become a professional um, and I say if I'd played one game I'd have been happy but yeah. I was very very fortunate and lucky to, to play for, for, for many years. How did you first move to Watford? It was actually my father, I mean um, my, my father played locally um, for Hitchin and St Albans and also he was a manager locally and he was actually manager of Hemel Hempstead at the time and he got to know Tom Wally who was the youth team coach at Watford and Tom had asked him to come in and help him on the coaching so he left Hemel Hempstead and joined part time um, he, he then started to do some scouting for, for, for the boss um, did the match reports and going out for players mm. and then you know, got to know Tom and, and he said that uh, his son me uh, was playing locally he's not bad come and have a look at him mm. so he did he come and watched me on a Sunday I was playing for St Albans City Youth and he liked what he saw and then get him in and then from that day I was I was, I was at the club and joined um, as a schoolboy. so two nights a week training, school holidays and then eventually signed Apprentice. And um, what was it like coming through the academy at the time because it's produced some sort of, some talent over the, the last few years, you look at the amount of academy graduates and the players that have gone on to have such good careers, what was it like for you when you was coming through there? Yeah, it's, it's, it was different from what it is now. I mean, there was uh, four apprentices when I joined. Mm. Um, Alex Dyer, who went on to have a fantastic career. Uh, um, uh, Gary Porter, obviously, played many, many years at Watford as well. Uh, Derek Williams, who played in goal for Watford, had a career. And uh, Pat Noonan, uh, and, and the actual second-year uh, apprentice was uh, uh, Wall Sterling. So we had a really good year, small numbers, um, but the the... The apprenticeship, you know, I served was with um, some some really good players who I played in the FA Youth Cup final when I was still at school. Um, Neil Price, who played the cup final, Jimmy Gilligan, Ian Richardson, you know, there was so many players. Uh, you know, Will Sterling, um, they all played it professionally for for Watford and went on to have careers as well. So, you know, it was a really good time. Um, you know, there were small numbers, so you 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 know you, you knew it was always going to be tough, um, but going in twice a week and then going in the holidays and then you sort of caught a glimpse of the youth team yeah. and then the, the first team training and it's all I wanted to be was a professional yeah. footballer. And what was your first encounter like with, uh, with Graham Taylor? Um, well actually it was when um, my father joined the club um, I remember going to, to a Watford game and afterwards we, 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 we waited around and, and we met the boss uh, uh, in, the, in the corridor after a game, shook his hand and obviously I was, I was in awe of the man, you know he's, he's, he just got them promoted uh, or getting them promoted so uh, you know it was, it was uh, that was my first encounter obviously then uh, as I progressed and, and um, started training at the club and it you know and got a little bit older got to know him and obviously when, when he offered me apprenticeship terms that was, that was incredible. And how much of an impact did he have on your career and I, I presume you've taken what some of the words of wisdom that he taught you into your own career as a coach as well? Yeah it was I mean he was Incredible for me, you know, professionally and personally. Um, I obviously my, my father, who's you know, 
a real role model for me and and and, and top coach Tom Wally and then obviously the boss. Um, you know, as you say, uh, a lot of the stuff that I use now, my own coaching, my own life, has come from him. His morals, his principles. You know, uh, his humility. Um, you know, he's a big influence on me, and uh, you know, I can't speak highly of, of, of the man. And do you please that the club's st still honouring his legacy today with the statue outside the grounds? Obviously, they've got the Graham Taylor stand now, and they've continued that community work that he, he first instilled there as well. Yeah, I'm delighted they've done that, and I'm really pleased because you know, without the boss, it, the club wouldn't be where it is now. No. There's no doubt about that. You know, he, he built that football club, he built it as a community club. That was one of the big things that he, he did when he came in. Obviously, I was part of that when when I signed professional. You know, we obviously went into the community, went into schools, went into football clubs, and you know everything around the community. We were part of the town, and that was the big thing for him. Obviously, he had the support of. Um, Elton as well, which was uh, an unbelievable partnership mm. uh, working together. But certainly, uh, you know, the, the the club have, you know, really, really honoured him in in the right way, and and so they should because the club wouldn't be where it is without him. Mm. Did you ever meet Elton when, when when you were there as well? Yeah, lots of times. And when I first joined the club, he he used to have a garden party at his house in uh, in 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 Windsor that all the staff used to go to. Didn't matter what position you were in the club, everyone was invited. So. Um, he was a fantastic guy, uh, really friendly, really knowledgeable. Um, you know, I can't speak highly of the guy. He's, he, he was he was very good to, to myself and my wife. He, he his wedding present was uh, his driver and his car for the day. You know, so you know that just says you know so much about the guy. Michael Hyde was telling to me the other week, but I think it was after the playoff final. He wanted to he wanted to fund a big party for everyone, but but GT stopped him from potentially doing it as well. Yeah, I heard that. Um, I, I think. The boss wanted to keep everyone's feet on the ground <laughs> and uh, make sure that uh, you know um, we we knew where we were. But that was he was such a generous guy, yeah. you know. And uh, you know, for for uh, some of the lads who joined um, later in the club, would have really enjoyed and appreciated um, when Elton was there. But yeah. obviously, he's still a big supporter now. I know he's on the phone a lot. Yeah. He's still involved and uh, comes to the games wherever he, wherever he um, whenever he can. But uh, yeah, you know, he he was fantastic for the football club. And making your debut against Sparta Prague in UEFA Cup, I think it was back yeah. in 1983, some some platform to, to make your debut. What do you remember about that game? Well, I'd been playing in the um, in the reserves, and um, it, it was at the time obviously we'd qualified for the UEFA Cup, and um, we'd had quite a lot of injuries, and we had some new signings, uh, David Barsley being one of them, at least, but they couldn't play because they hadn't signed in time, so. In the previous rounds, there was other people making their debuts in Emerson, Jimmy Gilligan, Neil Price, uh, Paul Franklin. You know, there was a lot of players who, who'd um, um, played in the UEFA Cup, so there was more injuries. Um, I literally just signed professional, so I, I was 18, um, and then three days later, I made my debut. And literally on the morning of the game, um, we were in training, which is unusual <laughs> to train on the morning of the game. It doesn't happen now, but. Um, um, and the boss said, well, "What are you doing later?" Well, we're going to come to the game, boss. Obviously, and he said, "Well, fancy playing, you know, tongue in cheek." And I said, "Yeah, of course." So, obviously, we did the training, and then obviously I, w I was selected and um, played in the game. Uh, the result didn't go our way, but for me, it was a, obviously a proud, proud moment. And uh, the boss was pleased with the way I played. And then, um, as it was in those days, your, your feet were firmly on the ground because I was back in the youth team on the yeah. Saturday. So, uh, but you know, obviously, a fantastic time for me. And as a young person coming into the team, you would have played alongside someone like John McClelland as well. He was an absolute rock at the back yeah. during that, during those two years at Watford. What was he like for you? Uh, 
uh, he he was the best uh, centre half I played with in my career. Um, obviously, Northern Ireland international, been at Rangers. Um, um, unbelievable reading the game. Um, it had the most awkward running style, but was so <laughs> quick uh, and also quick in the brain. And I learnt a lot from him. I mean, his positional play, his reading of the game, his interceptions, uh, and his talking was was, was incredible. So, um, you know, I was very fortunate to play alongside John, and uh, he he helped me uh, along the way uh, a lot. And as a young fullback coming into the team, as well, it must have given you a lot of confidence that you knew you had a goalkeeper like Tony Coton behind you as well. Yeah, I've, I've said many times that um, you know Tony was the best goalkeeper I played with as well. I mean, not only his goalkeeping, but his talking, his organisation. You know, and um, as you say, when you've got that uh, man in goal, you've got a lot of confidence in in, in him. And uh, obviously, that's the platform for the back four. But certainly, uh, for me individually, he, he helped me. And um, in front of you, you would have had Nigel Callaghan as well. I've read some quotes that you said he was he was the best winger at the time in, in England. Yeah, him and Barnsley at the time were the best combination. Uh, obviously, John had different skills to, to Nigel, but uh, as as for crossing of the ball, he was he was up there um, at the time in, in the first divisional Premier League, as it's called now. And uh, he, he could put any cross in, so whether people got tight to him or gave him space, he, he could really put it on a sixpence and his, his crossing was outstanding. And um, after the season after that, what reached FA Cup final against, against Everton, it didn't go, didn't go away in that game. How, how devastated were, were the dressing room after that game, especially after the, the controversial opening, opening goal? Yeah, the, um, I think it was a, a, a bit of frustration and disappointment that we hadn't played as well as we could have done. You know, um, it's always difficult to lose any game, but obviously a cup final. I was in the squad, but not not selected and not on the bench. And uh, afterwards, it was it was it was tough, but uh, um, a great achievement again from the football club to get to to Wembley. But as you say, you, you want to go there and win, and, and there was disappointment after, without a doubt. You've had a lot of highs at Watford, and uh, beating Arsenal in the FA Cup at Highbury must must have been one of them. Yeah, that was an incredible game. Incredible game. Uh, obviously, whenever you play the London clubs, there. Yeah, they're the ones you want to beat. Obviously, the big clubs uh, are not far away from Watford, but uh, we had a fantastic record against uh, Arsenal and uh, in the league. But that cup game was 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 one to remember. Obviously, quite a bit of controversy. They they claimed a penalty. We went up the other end and scored. Luth got the goal. And um, but yeah, it was it was it was always good to get one over on the Arsenal. Yeah, and getting one over Luton wasn't too bad either. No, that was always good. I mean, people uh, obviously who know me that. Uh, I'm from St Albans and I've got some uh, family who are Luton fans, so there's there's often a lot of uh, ribbing along the way. But yeah, it's often, you know, we didn't we didn't beat them too often early on in my career. But yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's always nice to get one over them. And obviously they're they're doing a little bit better now. So yeah. my brother-in-law and my niece are a little bit happier. <laughs> and um, after the the Arsenal game, I think Graham left at the end of at the end of that season. Was there an element of surprise in the dressing room that he decided to go? Was was it just? That you you thought he was always going to potentially go on at some point. Um, it was a surprise he left, um, but it, it wasn't a surprise that uh, you know he went on to, to to become the England manager because he was that good in my in my opinion. You know he was fantastic man manager, obviously tactically very good, uh, organised, and uh, he'd been very successful at Watford. And maybe he felt that well, I think he's put that you know he'd gone as far as he could yeah. with the club and. Uh, when a club like Aston Villa with their history and tradition comes then obviously it was a big decision for him and uh, you know, we were surprised for me personally I was obviously disappointed they'd left because yeah. he'd done so much for me and 
you know, I really enjoyed playing under him and we were successful under him, you know, we never finished outside the top yeah. half of the table, yeah. so been to a cup final, been yeah. into Europe, so um, obviously it was going to be a transitional period for the club, but yeah. as you say, yeah, obviously disappointed that he'd left. You mentioned that it was a transitional period after he went, obviously he didn't, didn't achieve the same sort of success after Graham left, but you certainly became a a regular in the side at, at, right, at right back or full back and um, you won the club's player of the season award in 1991-92 as well so that, that must be a proud moment for you that you, you're etched on that you'll always be etched on that trophy now yes I've been second and third but to, to be voted by the fans as player of the year and and, uh, and the players is, is obviously a, you know really really honoured to, to be voted by them and uh, you know when the fans vote for you that's the biggest thing obviously because yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's what you want. You know, they appreciate what you've been doing during the season, and uh, as you say, I'm 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 on that board. Which there's some fantastic players yeah. on that board. So obviously, I'm very proud and privileged to be on there. Yeah, and the following year after that was start of a, a difficult period for you. Obviously, you appointed club captain, mm. but then you you picked up an injury, and then I think you aggravated it on your comeback as well. Right. Did you know at that time that it was it was going to be as serious as it was? No, not at all. Um, I'd, I'd never been injured really up until I've had, I had uh, broken toes yeah. I was out for three months but up until then uh, 10 years I've not really been injured yeah. and I've been a regular and um, thought oh this would be all right I'll be out for a few weeks I'll be back and, and uh, in hindsight I came back too early re-injured it and, and then it just wouldn't mend and yeah. it just took me about 18 months in the end yeah. and um, thought I was going to have to retire and he wasn't very yeah. good but had a summer's rest totally rested it where I'd been working and working and then I actually came back when Kenny was appointed manager and started training pre-season and um, it felt good and I eventually played more games that yeah. season even though I was yeah, on yeah. A, a month-to-month contract yeah. and uh, uh, eventually signed a contract but uh, yeah obviously when, you, when you're injured and you, you don't expect to be out that long and then you're worrying that you're going to be okay to play again but yeah. uh, touch wood I, I came through that and uh, carried on a few more years. How difficult is it mentally and physically to, to deal with that sort of injury? Because I was speaking to Matt Jarvis in the week for TalkSport. He used to play for, for Wolves and West Ham. And he had a similar story for you where he, he was out for 18 months to two years, got got back fit, then another injury, then worked his way back fit, and then another thing after that. So how, how difficult is it to, to deal with those sort of injuries? Because at times it must feel like that you, the whole world's against you and it's going to stop you from, from coming back. Yeah, it's, it's the worst thing in football. I think being dropped yeah. is tough, but being, when you're injured, you can't do anything yeah. about it, and you're always wondering if you're going to come back and um, be the same player, if you're yeah. going to come back at all, how long is it going to be. So that's where you really need the support around you. Uh, obviously, like my wife and my family and, and the physio, the managers, making sure. But, um, you know, it, it is, it's, it's not a good place to be sometimes yeah. uh, when you're injured that, that long because you, you're going in every day and you're making little progress and the other lads are going out on yeah, the training. Yeah, you've seen the people the, training, yeah. It's the best thing in the world, you know, so it, it can be very, very tough and, um, you know, it's uh, once you come through it, you, you know, you're really, really so pleased to get back on that pitch. Yeah, and... I think you said that you were you were back on a month by month contract when, when Kenny was there. I think you might have been released actually that summer, and you, you came back on a month by month contract, and then you played nearly every single game that season. So it must have been a proud moment for you to, to prove a couple of people wrong. Yeah, I mean, when obviously the, the club had got relegated from the yeah. championship, and uh, I was one of the experienced players. Uh, I hadn't played many games in the other 18 months, so that, you know they they needed to to get someone who's going to be playing games. Um, so I got released, and then uh, I wrote to um, a lot of clubs in that mm. summer. Um, I wrote n- nearly to every club, asking 
you know, would they be interested in me? Um, I've still got the letters, some of the replies, some didn't reply, a lot didn't reply. And then um, Kenny said, look, if you, if you want to just come in and do pre-season, you're more than, more than welcome to do that, see how your knee is. Can't guarantee you anything at all, but um, rather than go and do pre-season somewhere, because I had a lot of offers to go yeah. and do pre-season, but you know, I wasn't getting paid, I had to go and move, or whatever it was. So um, I went in. And my knee felt good. I played a couple of pre-season friendlies. I was on the bench for the first couple of games, and then I was getting fitter and fitter, and, and, and my knee was good. So eventually got into the team, as you say, and I, I, I played the most games that that year. You know, so obviously it, was, it, was, it was great just to get back on the grass, and then eventually got a contract. What was Kenny like as a, as a manager? Because he was just starting his sort of managerial career there, and he's gone on to have lots of success with Millwall, Wolves, and, and Portsmouth currently. Just missed out on promotion this season. Um, did you think back then that he would go on and have a, a successful career as a manager? Yeah, I think he came into Watford at that time when it was a very difficult period. You know, a lot of players uh, um, were sold. Um, yeah. A lot of players were released. Um, it was, it was, he was new to the job. Uh, obviously, he'd been assistant to, to, to people before and youth team coaches, but he, he always had the potential. You could see that. Um, that season, we actually started really well. We, we just drew too many games. Yeah. We just didn't quite have enough quality in the final third to score goals. Um, but you could see that he was going to be a good manager, and he's proved that. I mean, he's had promotions, he's, he's, he's won finals at Wembley, and um, you know, I still speak to Ken quite regularly. We, we obviously played with him and then yeah. played under him, yeah. and uh, um, you know, I get on really well with Ken, and he, he's, he's proved to be a fantastic manager. And I'm really surprised he hasn't been linked with more top yeah. jobs because he deserves it. And, and uh, you know, not, not just opinion, but looking at his facts of his promotions and stuff like that as well, you know. Yeah, and Graham Taylor came back the season after that, yeah. the start of a, another successful period for the club, back-to-back -back promotions. Um, must have been a great period. Well, you didn't obviously play as much as you would have liked those, those, uh, those seasons under Graham Taylor, but it must have been great to be a part of that squad. Yeah, I mean, when we uh, won the league um, it, you know, in Division 1, as it was then, um, and obviously the last game at Fulham, I played quite a lot that season and um, really, really enjoyed it. And... Um, when you win your football games, it's, there's nothing better, yeah. and you're on a roll. You think you can beat everyone. The confidence is really high. And then we went to the championship, and uh, as you say, I started off in the season. I got another injury. I, I, I uh, broke my toe again and dislocated it, and ended up not in the team. And then by the time I got back fit, that the lads had gone on this incredible run. You know? yeah. And um, so I was sometimes not sub, sometimes sub, and played the odd game. But um, it was an incredible roller coaster of a season. Mm. And we've had the reunion recently, and when yeah. you look back, uh, some of the lads who played in the final weren't regulars either. Yeah. You know, it was an incredible sort yeah, of roller coaster yeah. for, for for most of the players if you speak to them during that season. But that run at the end of the season was yeah. it was just we're gonna got to keep winning, got to keep winning, and we did. We I think we won eight or nine games, yeah. and then obviously had the semi final that I was I, I played in the away leg, and then yeah. the final. But those two seasons were were incredible, fantastic times, and you know if you. If you meet up with any of the lads who are yeah. part of that now, you just get back straight onto it, and, and everyone talks about yeah. the great time, the, the spirit, the great lads, and it was a, a real mixed bunch of players coming through, you yeah. know, coming together that the boss, you know, moulded into a team, which was one of his biggest strengths, and uh, you know, a lot of those lads you still speak to now, and very, very fond memories. You mentioned the semi-final there, the away leg against yeah. Birmingham. Alec Chamberlain had a massive role to play in that, in that and uh, the penalties—it's nerve-wracking as a as a fan, but as, as a player, I can only imagine it's even worse. 
Yeah, I, I didn't want to take a penalty. I spoke about it recently. I was uh, in training. I was probably in the top three. I, I, I never missed. Uh, but going and taking it, uh, you know, in the, in the cauldron of a, of a semi-final or any game, really, you've got so much respect for him. So, you know, I was I was tenth. I think uh, Michael was before me. So, I was really nervous. Didn't really want to be taking one. And uh, you know, I, I think if you see the footage. Um, Myself and Steve Palmer were the first to, to get to Chamber and celebrate with him because he, he, he made the save. And, but I was being very selfish, saying, "Well, thank God I didn't have to take a penalty." And it was, it was a brilliant evening. I mean, one of the best atmospheres I've ever played in. Um, so pleased to play the part in it. Alec Chamberlain as well achieved so much of Watford and a great keeper who's only just recently left the club and it shows what, what a loyal servant he was during his time there as well the fact he was number one he went into the coaching side of things he's now unfortunately left the club but his legacy won't, won't ever be forgotten by supporters as well no, absolutely, and, and especially when he played for Luton. So he had yeah. to win me over at the start yeah. anyway, so <laughs> I call him a born again. Uh, no, I mean, goalkeeping-wise, outstanding. And then his coaching, he's a very, very, very good coach. He developed a lot of good goalkeepers there, worked so long for the club, had a testimonial and uh, a fantastic servant for the club and we remembered very highly. Mm. What do you remember about the, the playoff final against that Bolton as well? Those, uh, those two goals weren't too bad that we scored on that day either. No, I mean... Bolton really should have been in, you know, should have been promoted automatically. Looking at their squad, they had some fantastic players. Um, we we played them um, twice and beat them twice that yeah, season. Yeah, so yeah. we had a, a bit of an Indian sign over them and felt really confident going into the game. Um, it was a you know, good game, but as you say, the, the goals were, were incredible. Nick Wright's volley, you, you, you could watch it over and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. And then, you know, the the, the 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 goal at the end from Smarty, the the run and the pass from my, um, Peter Kennedy. And once that second goal went in, that was yeah. it all over, and, and, and what, what an occasion. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think you can play that game, but um, to be a part of part of that, be watching it, and be, be among the squad, and, and that atmosphere that day, it must have been incredible. It was. I mean, we had more supporters yeah. there. We had uh, nearly 40,000 people there, and at the end of the game, as you know, Bolton fans are gone, and yeah. it was just a sea of yellow, and when you're on that pitch and uh, enjoying the celebrations and just looking up, it, it, it stays with you. And obviously mixed emotions for me because I didn't play, but yeah. so pleased for the club, so pleased for the boss. And obviously I was thinking then, well, oh, we've got another crack at the Premiership yeah. here. And, and as it turned out, I played 16 games the next season yeah. in the Premiership. So it become a, it, it, it was a full circle for me because I started in the old First Division Premier League and, and obviously then we, we got back into um, the Premier League so it, 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 you know so many good memories Playing in the Premier League must have been the, the pinnacle for you having played in a lot of the leagues in, in the English yeah. division back then and playing at the top as well towards the latter end of your career it must have been a fantastic feeling It was and, and it changed obviously mm. um, the Premier League has, has grown um, it's usually at the time and uh, uh, the media coverage TV yeah. coverage has, has just gone on beyond belief really and the, the press coverage so um, and the players in the league as well the standard you know the, the, the influx of the, the top European players had started to come into the league and it was a tough tough league I mean we just didn't invest enough at the time yeah. we didn't have enough money at the time and we lost so many games by the odd goal um, but we was always competitive uh, but we just didn't quite have enough but as you say from, from starting in the Premier League first division as it was called then and then near enough finishing my career in the, in the Premier League you know that's, that's, that's what you want and you would have seen Paul Robinson coming yeah. through, through the ranks days achieved so much obviously West Brom and, and Bolton and Birmingham now coach up at Birmingham you must have realised that there was a, was a special talent coming through the ranks there I mean Watford 
traditionally has always produced players. Yeah. Um, and homegrown, Robbo's a, a Watford boy. Um, actually, my father coached him as well, so there's that history with him yeah. as well. Um, there's so many players come through, and for people like Robbo to go on and have such a fantastic career, and now going into his coaching as well, yeah. it's it, it, it's great to see. You know, you you, you want people to to um, have all that experience with then to pass it on and I'm sure Rob will be a very successful coach. And how did you find the transition from, from playing to coaching at, at Watford? Um, well I've always been coaching, my father was the youth team, well part-time youth coach so he always coached on a, on two nights a week so the last 10 years of my playing career I used to go along and yeah. coach and was very interested in it and that's where I saw my future really to work with the, uh, with the young players. Um, but um, Ray Lewington got the job um, after Luca Vialli left yeah. and said that if I get the job, I want you to be the reserve team manager. Um, I was 37. I still could have played on, but yeah. probably not at Watford. Um, he said, I said, I'm not really ready for that, right? Yes, you are. And, and he sort of pushed me into to coaching and it was the best thing that ever happened, yeah. really. Um, so I was always interested in coaching, um, sort of planned to, to go into the I say the youth side of things, but really enjoyed that first team side. And yeah. uh, I learned so much from Ray and Terry Burton and, uh, and thankfully I've been very lucky on my coaching as well. You know, I've been successful, really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, looking forward to continuing uh, yeah. the, my career. And th there were a couple of rumours of you potentially coming back to be assistant um, to Savica Djukanovic a few years ago, um, just before you, you joined Millwall. W was there any, any truth in that? Yeah, we, we had discussions. Um, you know, I've got a lot of respect for uh, Gino and, and Scott Duxbury, and uh, uh, we had discussions, but it wasn't quite right for me and um, for the club, so it didn't happen. But obviously in the future, yeah. you know, it's my club, uh, supporter, player, coach there um, I'd love to yeah. have the opportunity to go back there one stage but you, you just never know when that might be you know it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm a supporter from from yeah. afar been to a few games this season uh, and whenever I get the opportunity to go back they they really welcome me back the supporters and uh, really pleased the club's doing so well I mean they've done a fantastic job the owners um, look at the stadium now yeah. how well it's developed look at the playing squad yeah. um, so it, it, it's it's an exciting time to be a Watford fan you mentioned there about Gino. Watford fans don't see a lot of him, but they, they fully respect what he's done for that club to lift it off the floor and to get it into the Premier League. And what he's, what he's done for that club will, will never, ever be forgotten by Watford fans. But what was he like when, when, you, when you met him? Because Watford fans don't see so, so much of him. Um, that was really, really good guy. Um, very, very knowledgeable. Yeah. Um, wants the best for Watford, which is the most important thing. Um, quietly goes about his business but very very shrewd and they've done a fantastic job yeah. you, you can only respect what they've done um, as I say for the for, for the stadium uh, for the for the playing squad yeah. the training ground they've invested a lot of money and uh, as I say it's Watford is in, in a real good place at the moment and uh, very very exciting times for, for the fans absolutely um, you mentioned there about that the season under Javi Garcia obviously just finished outside the top 10 but um, a fantastic season on the whole got to the FA Cup final um, how far do you think they can they can go um, good question I think uh, they've got a very good squad I think they are a top team top 10 team um, whilst I was at Reading we played them in the cup so um, obviously saw firsthand how good they were they didn't they played their subs and the squads really but they're very very talented squad and afterwards was in the coach's room with Javi and his staff and really liked them, uh, really humble, mm. um, uh, really respectful. Um, I think they brought stability to the, to the football side of mm. the club, uh, obviously did a fantastic job. Um, and who knows, I think um, 
they'll probably have to invest in a, yeah. a few more players this season yeah. uh, to progress. But uh, I think he's doing a really, really good job. I think he's a good fit for Watford. Yeah. And I'd like to think they can you know, challenge for that top 10 again this season. You mentioned there about investment. Where do you think Watford do need to, what areas do they need to strengthen if they want to get into that, that top 10? I think you're always, you're always looking to, to uh, improve the, the firepower in the team. Yeah. You need goals, so probably that area. But I think defensively as well, a little bit more, more, um, a few more options in those areas. Maybe yeah. uh, a left back, maybe a centre half. But uh, you know they've got some really talented players, and I think it's a, it's a difficult market for Watford to improve their yeah. squad. You know it's it's very difficult, and uh, but they've done it over the years. I mean, you know, Carlson for example, they yeah. bought him in and then and then sold him on for a massive profit. So, um, you know, I've got every confidence they'll get some good players in. And just three quick-fire questions to finish off. You didn't score many for Watford, but what was your best goal? Best goal? Oh, good question. Um, I think probably um, the Bristol City goal. Um, uh, that was the last game of the season, got player of the year, so that's a, a, a special day for me. Who was the funniest in the dressing room during the time at the club? Funniest in the dressing room. Uh, Trevor Putney was up there. Uh, he was he was he was a character. And Gary Penwise. Yeah. And finally, this is going to be a tough one. Best player you played with at Watford? Not 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 a tough one. John yeah. Barnes. John Barnes. John Barnes by a mile. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Must have been uh, incredible to play against him in training. It was, and I, I like to think he, he helped me along the way because I had to mark him most days in training when I first became a pro and. Uh, he had everything. He could play in any position, which he did. Yeah. You know, he played midfield for Liverpool, for Newcastle. Played how many eighty odd times for England. Uh, uh, outstanding player and uh, yeah, tough opponent. So that was my podcast with Nigel Gibbs. It was great to meet up with Nigel again and 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 see that the clear affection that he has for Watford and how much he's been down this season. Um, wishing the best of luck as well because he's he's just started a new position with the Tottenham Hotspur under 23s. He looks to get back into coaching. I know he, he's so passionate about the game and I'd love to see him back involved at Watford in some capacity in the future. If you have liked this podcast, please do like, share and subscribe. Um, and please do feel free to, to drop me a line with, with any feedback. Uh, you can email me on a trip down Vicarage Road at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter as well uh, at Vicarage Road Pod. You can find me on Twitter as well at Bradley Hayden 11. Uh, and the podcast is available on SoundCloud and iTunes by searching a trip down Vicarage Road. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we've also recorded podcasts recently with Micah Hyde, uh, Richard Lee, Tommy Smith, uh, Lloyd Doyley, uh, Kevin Phillips as well. So please do give them a listen when you when you get a moment as well, because uh, it's great to see, great to hear people listening to them. And I'm always open for any feedback or any any tips for people who I'd like to see on the show as well. Um, so thanks again for tuning in, um, and come on, you horns.